Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, the most listened to radio show in the nonprofit sector, dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to fundraising success, and practical nonprofit management advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to expert nonprofit management. Guests on The Nonprofit Coach are leaders in their field who share their insider tips and trade secrets in a conversational style both the experienced and novice will benefit from. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Click on radio. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome to this latest edition of the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much for joining us today. As the announcer mentioned, uh, you can call in and speak to our guest today at 347-324-3080. You can also ask us questions over in the chat room. I see some folks over in the chat room, so feel free to ask your questions there. You can also email me today at tedhart at tedhart.com. This is just a great uh, opportunity for me to thank all of our listeners, tens of thousands of listeners uh, over the years um, who have joined us here on the Nonprofit Coach and listened to our iPod and iPad friendly uh, podcasts. Um, over six years, we are now today celebrating our sixth anniversary. We have a lot of our, our great guests who have uh, uh, decided to call in, uh, many of them on the switchboard right now, just to wish us well. And, and more importantly, to, to hear what their best reminiscences are about the nonprofit coach and the changes over the last six years in the nonprofit sector. That's going to be our topic today. Happy sixth anniversary, everyone. And we'll be right over to page two. As our guests know, we always have our experts over here on page two. So uh, over here on page two, we're going to start off, and, and I just have to say, who would be better? I can't think of anyone better to start off on the sixth anniversary show than Kay Sprinkle Grace, uh, who is our perennial holiday show. She always wraps up the year uh, with us in one of the most popular shows of the year. Uh, welcome, and thank you for joining us here on our sixth anniversary, Kay Sprinkle Grace. Well, thank you for inviting me, Ted, and congratulations. This is an amazing service to the sector, as you know. And to really focus on the, the last six years, um, probably there have never been six years of greater change in the sector. And at least from my experience, I've been working in the sector uh, professionally since the mid-'80s. And I think what I am seeing, I'm up here in, in Medford, Oregon. I live in San Francisco, but I'm in Medford. Spoke at a conference yesterday, the Oregon Nonprofit Leaders Conference, and just sharing ideas and understanding the changes. And I think the biggest change and the one that I'm most excited about is that we no longer own the space. Um, we have come to a time in our history when the social problems, the education, the environment, 
everything has become of such magnitude that we are looking at partners and we are welcoming partners and we are seeing more and more collaboration. And I think that we have progressed in the last few years from a position of being a little worried and kind of fearful about B Corps and corporations and impact investors and others being in this same space. But what I see now is that we are establishing our own presence, reestablishing it, and we're saying we can lead you, you can work with us, we can be a united front to finally resolve a lot of these issues. And this is something that probably I'm more intrigued about than I have ever been about anything, is how can we collaborate in this space with others who have great new ideas while at the same time reaffirming the fact that we are the leaders, philanthropy has been the leader, philanthropy has really instituted huge social change, but now with the exponential growth of issues, we need partners. So that's really what I'm focusing on. I'm going to be speaking in New Orleans at Boys and Girls Club in May, and I'm going to speak on the same topic. I just think we need to get the news out that we can be leaders in an increasingly abundant space where we can go back to the roots of our values, our ethics, our integrity, our vision, and help those who are perhaps impatient for change, help them see what is possible and learn from them how to do it faster. Because we've got to do it faster. Of course, you always put your your finger on an important topic, and you and I have actually discussed this here on the nonprofit coach. And I've been writing yes. and lecturing on this this topic for the last uh, several months because I think it is absolutely at the crux of at the end of this six year period of the the nonprofit coach. Uh, we've seen a lot of change, and and that change has really uh, been brought about by new tools, new opportunities for collaboration. Um, new opportunities, I think, for donors on transparency, um, the demands and norms of what a donor can expect. Uh, And I think whenever you're in a period of transition, there are those who manage transition better than others. Um, There are those who understand the the, the transition in a marketplace better than others um, and can be poised to succeed. And some of the things that I I see and I've I've been lecturing on is new modes of giving um, at the same time that there are some, some sort of bedrock principles that are really embedded in the tax code that determine what is tax deductible, what is not, what is charitable, what is not. Um, And while we can find new formats and we can be creative in how we express uh, those activities, one of the concerns that that I have are some crowdfunding services and others uh, who are making it seem like charitable activity is happening when in fact that it really is not. Um, centered around a legal structure that supports a tax receipt. Um, And that's a concern of mine because I think there is not sufficient transparency uh, for donors who would like to have the the ability to participate in in crowdfunding. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and something that I certainly encourage and uh, we'll have an uh, an expert in a few minutes um, who can speak um, to that, that sort of topic. Um, but the transparency about, about what is charitable and what is just a gift, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, has and, never and I, been more important. Yeah, and you have worked, of course, all across the spectrum. You work with the small gifts, the crowdfunding, the social media, and as you know, my focus has always been more in the the major gifts, the very large gifts. We're not where we are troubled with that is the. Family Foundation, Donor Advised Fund, uh, that issue because some of the money slips from one to the other. And, of course, the fact that donor advised funds are held in many cases by financial services institution, is there a conflict of interest? And I think that uh, that is a topic to be concerned about. 
But I'd like to bring it up uh, just another level right now before I need to turn it to the next uh, friend of yours, and you have so many friends. And I would just like to get back to something you and I have talked about for decades now, and that is that I'm still seeing a scarcity of big ideas, of big dreams. I'm still seeing that the boundaries of risk are fear and dreams, a lot of fear in our sector. McKinsey has looked at kind of the the fear that surrounds executive directors who don't really get what they need in terms of time for mission and reflection and even sabbaticals and time to dream big, and I have had experiences of my own where I see boards just being very, very narrow in terms of the risk that you can take, even when the opportunity is huge and the success is all but proven, you know, barring natural or or economic disaster. And that brings me to my other issue, um, which is, I believe, Ted, that as we have seen these phenomenal changes since 2010, that one change we have not seen is in boards kind of picking up on the fact that the pace needs to increase, that problems when left unattended, either in the community or in the boardroom, nearly grow larger, and that if we can um, all kind of take a look at our boards I recently came across an article by our friends uh, Chayton Taylor and Ryan at Harvard, which had been published 13 years ago. But, boy, I sure wish I'd found it 13 years ago. But it, it juxtaposes two issues that we look at with boards, board performance or board purpose. And they posit a very, very beautiful argument for the fact that as organizations have changed, the board purpose has not been redefined. That as we have become more professional, that the board role is different. So yesterday here in in Medford, I not only did my AAA program, which people really like a lot, but I also really went deep into this idea of purpose or performance. I think if we can look how we can collaborate uh, even more intensely in the marketplace, how we can gear up our boards, around this sense of leadership of a very diverse sector now and how can they be leaders. It could give them, I think, new energy to see that their organization is not only mission committed to their their mission, but is mission committed to the role of philanthropy in helping to untangle so many of the deep and difficult uh, issues that exist in our society today. That's right. Well, to the the, the big uh, idea topic that, that you just raised, and I know that you need to run, I'm going to tweet out today. I'll make sure that I email to you an article that uh, I wrote. Uh, the future fundraising is already here. Stop fundraising and start inspiring. Um, and I'd love to uh, have further conversations with you about that, but outlines five different ways that we know the future of fundraising is already here, but are we ready to make good use of that? Because I think new ideas sometimes are scary ideas when you don't necessarily oh, yeah. understand how to, to use them to your best advantage. And that's part of what I tried to outline in this article is that there, the, the winds of change are already here. They're blowing across philanthropy. Um, and yeah. you can either be blown away uh, by them uh, or you can set your sails to them. Um, and yeah, I think or, that you or be and I blown, are the sort of people that away, set our sails. Or be blown away in another way, you know, like, oh, wow, right, right. why didn't we think of that sooner? Yeah, oh, wow, but I think it's more important to set your Exactly. Right. I think it's more important to set your sails to these these wins, and because they're significant and they're real, and they can make a big difference. Um, and Kay yeah. Sprinkle Grace, always thoughtful. Um, catch your shuttle. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, here on the nonprofit and coach, happy uh, sixth anniversary. Thank you. Thank happy you. Happy birthday. Sixth anniversary All edition. Right. Okay. Thanks. All, <laughs> All right. right. Thanks, Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach is another dear friend here of the Nonprofit Coach. Actually, the first guest we ever had on the Nonprofit Coach six years ago, if you can believe it, Mark Sutton. Welcome back here to the Nonprofit Coach. Hey, Ted, thanks so much for having me back on, and congratulations and happy anniversary. Six years, just incredible. So look back six years, maybe look forward six years. What have you seen and what do you see? 
you know, looking back, so I think I, I got started, I met you fairly early on um, in this space in, in, in 2003. And I would agree with something that, that Kay mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, where there's been just incredible change over the past six years. Um, and as, as, as I look ahead, I think we're poised for even 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 more, more radical change. Um, again, it's it's towards you know how do you enable some of the big ideas? Some of the things I see is a lot of the technology and really kind of where I come from and things with uh, my position at, at, at Frontstream and, and in the past at First Giving and Artez has been providing technology to help enable some of the the big ideas and the big thinking. I see, um, you know, a hard drive towards uh, more technology that is used by the fundraiser, by the practitioner. It's um, th- there's a lot of technology that is still for the technologists, the IT department, but I think more and more so. And you mentioned crowdfunding. There are tools for so many more different approaches that it is trying to make sense of all the different possibilities out there. Understand which are the right approaches for your organization. It is also, you know, having kind of the courage to to try things as well. And you see some of the things that technology has enabled, um, some just incredible successes. The Ice Bucket Challenge a few years ago, it was one of those things that was possible because technology existed in the way people connect. What are the other types of things, not necessarily on that scale, but for each organization, what are the things that – you can do with technology that will really move the needle for your organization, even around a campaign or a program. Talk, talk to me a little bit about what, what you're seeing beyond crowdfunding in terms of the significant markers for the last six years. Um, I'm seeing a, a, a coming together of a variety of technology in terms of the way they work together. Um, over the last six years, or I say, if you looked at the, if you look at the landscape six years ago, you would see loads and loads of increasingly increasingly large number of technology and tool providers for non for nonprofits. Now, I think the challenge is um, not ha- it's not just having the tools; it's how do these tools work together to enable something different? And it can be a chore in and of itself to get these things working together. I think the degree to which technology can work together in a smart fashion is really going to become essential. So it's not just in terms of making sure that the efforts are coordinated and that the reporting and the information is available in a consistent format in one place, but it's really how these things work together to anticipate and to help the administrator rather than overwhelm the administrator. So I think that it's bringing the technology and the tools available in, in, in a way that really makes makes it simpler and have it make sense in a very smart fashion from an integration perspective and the way tools work together. Absolutely. And and Kay mentioned something sort of in, in, in passing we didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time on, but she and I have discussed it um, in the past, and that's this notion that um, nonprofit organizations are sort of no longer at the heart of philanthropy that it's much more broad and that the donor has really, in a lot of ways because of the Internet, um, is is sort of self-directing their philanthropy in a way that perhaps in the past they would rely on a charity or two to sort of be the the, the centerpiece of their own philanthropy. Agree with that? Don't agree with that? What are you you seeing regarding that kind of direction? No, I absolutely agree with that. I think think like – like, like, like so many things, technology is, um, I don't want to say quite disintermediating, but it could feel that way from the nonprofits. And I've spoken to many, many executive directors and director of developments who sort of feel that way where there is, where there is a loss of control. And you look at some of the tools that Facebook has just announced that I think will be something that not only nonprofits can use, but it's also individuals can use. And I think that that can either feel a little bit scary or, um, it can also be extremely beneficial. I think that you touched on something earlier, which is as all this goes on, I think I think the net net is positive of this, Ted, but I think that there are some downsides. The transparency is a, a very important issue. Um, it's one that we focus a lot on, I think, as you look at some of the crowdfunding platforms and the amazing good that are being done. 
You also hear the stories where the transparency isn't necessarily there. It um, it sort of blurs the line between kind of nonprofit and and causes in general, where it's it could potentially not be a a, a, a nonprofit organization. And I think that's where. Um, it becomes not quite as crystal clear and where it does feel as though there's a loss of control. Right, exactly. And and how much of a concern should that be or is that just uh, a notion of that's change? That's what change looks like? Um, I guess I, I, I think I, – I think it is uh, what change starts to look like. Um, and I, I think back, you know, I don't know if this is a reasonable analogy, but I remember back to um, where content about an organization, any organization, used to be controlled and published by that organization. And then as you saw blogs pop up and review sites, all of a sudden the ability for people to say things about a brand Um, left the control of the organization Um, and it was very scary and and uh, you know I think after a number of years we we see that that there are negatives but I think overall net positives I think it will be the same thing with some of the crowdfunding where I think it can definitely feel scary that I think we'll absolutely see cases that help us understand how we need to um, either regulate or be very transparent or cautious in some cases, but I think that the democratization of tools like that will be a net positive. Well, one of the, uh, Mark, if you can uh, hang on with us uh, a little bit, one of those tools that has really helped in the democratization of philanthropy is certainly GuideStar. Uh, and uh, Jackie uh, Enterline is here, the media and outreach manager. Uh, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach, our sixth anniversary show. Hard to believe, but uh, GuideStar has been here from the very beginning, and you know of our support here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, for GuideStar. So uh, welcome to our little celebration today. Thank you, and congratulations. It's a very exciting time. So uh, maybe we could pick up the um, uh, the discussion that Mark just uh, started. Mark is still with us. Um, that uh, about the democratization of philanthropy and how has philanthropy changed over the last six years? And maybe uh, get out your crystal ball a little bit in terms of what does the the future, maybe the next six years, look like? Will we recognize philanthropy six years from now? Of course. So it's a very exciting time over here, um, as I'm sure Mark mentioned things are definitely changing. Not sure if he mentioned over here at GuideStar, one of the biggest things we're actually rolling out in the next month or so is the launch of our platinum level. And so that's a way for nonprofits to report on their progress and results through quantitative metrics. So this is kind of, in our minds, the natural next step, of course, to the overhead myth. So moving beyond using overhead ratios as a way to measure nonprofits. So I think this will definitely, in the future, change the way donors and foundations evaluate nonprofits. How, how do you think that uh, donors should properly evaluate nonprofits? We have over 1.5 million here in the United States. Um, while there are a lot of similarities, there are also a lot of differences when you're talking about nonprofits that uh, are not, not in business to make a profit but to do community good. Mm-hmm. So what we always say is make sure you not only give with your heart, but you give with your head. So not only if someone's wanting you to donate to an animal shelter off the street and there's cute puppies, of course you're going to want to donate. But making sure to take a step back and do your research before you just write a check over. Well, certainly that's um, you know that's always good advice, right? Is to uh, sort of know who you're giving your money to and understand a little bit about what um, you know what are they going to do with that money? And and I think that's you know where you're saying don't just give from the heart, but also uh, give uh, from the head. But the, the heart has traditionally driven a lot of philanthropy because there are a lot of needs, and and uh, and philanthropy is often called upon to fill those needs. Um, are we taking the heart out of philanthropy? No, definitely not. It's just if you have an organization or a cause that is near and dear to your heart, you want to make sure you are looking for the best one. 
So whether that's a local organization or a national one, just make sure you're doing your research. Talk to me a little bit about the, the change of GuideStar over the last six years. Certainly the nonprofit coach has sought to sort of chronicle uh, the, the issues and the topics and provide training uh, to charities for six years. But uh, GuideStar has certainly changed quite a bit in its position in the marketplace. Um, how does that equate to the change in philanthropy? So I think it just shows that more and more people are doing their research. They're wanting to know what they are getting into both financially and other nonprofits. They like to see similar organizations and how they are benchmarking their progress. So it's not and only And GuideStar has increasingly that. provided more and more tools in this area. Yes, absolutely. And for the first time since I believe it was 2009, we redesigned our nonprofit profiles and were kind of readjusted and literally put the qualitative results up front. So that's the information that most organizations are reporting on and it leads into the rest of the profiles. It does seem when you look at the new um, layout that, that it is uh, a little bit more modern. It seems to be following the trend of maybe a little bit more sort of an, an infographic uh, serving up of data from the 990. Would that be a fair review? Yes, definitely. And we wanted to package it in a way that is easy for anyone who is coming onto the site to review an organization and just understand. So we tried to put the interactive graph to help follow the financial trends. Mark, um, you, you raised the topic of democratization. Do, um, what, what question do you have for Jackie in terms of what that has meant and, and the, the, maybe the role of, of GuideStar in helping that happen? Yeah, I think it actually probably presents a very you know, important role for GuideStar. And it's, um, you know, I know that um, GuideStar, Jackie, correct me, but I think you really focus on, you know, the universe of, um, of, of, of nonprofit organizations. And how is it, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, on how do things that are charitable related but not charities themselves, how does that come into into things. I think that, that, that what the democratization does is it kind of blurs that line. And I think it can be an opportunity, but I think it can also be very confusing and, and potentially, you know, risky. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, especially any sort of organization who files type of 990. Um, so we really try to map that out on our site so you know if you're looking at a 501c3, c4, or anything else to make it easy for those who are researching a specific organization. That's great. Yeah, we well, have, and, I, 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 and we look to do the same as well. And I think it's really, I think it's a very valuable service that GuideStar provides in terms of really providing that definitive, um, you know, set of organizations that uh, people can come to rely on. Yes. And then I, I'm glad you brought that up uh, in terms of people growing to rely on because I it just to be a little bit provocative here I just want to want to ask the maybe the two of you to to think about this uh, this this topic and that is you know GuideStar has become so much a part at least in, in my view and certainly the view of the the nonprofit coach show part of the fabric of good philanthropy and for the, many of the reasons um, that you know Jackie just um, you know put on the table in terms of you know, what has GuideStar brought to the donor and brought for charities? Because I think GuideStar, you know, we focus on, you know, the, the data that's available for donors to be thoughtful both, you know, with their mind and, and with, uh, with their, their, uh, their heart and their soul. Um, but I think it's also been very important for nonprofits to see themselves in, in a different light, to see themselves in a very public light. Um, because I think, you know, when you think back to before, you know, GuideStar, which actually, you know, predates the show, um, you know, a lot of that information, is, as Mark, you said, had to come from the charity. Um, and, you know, and I'm sure that it was as accurate as the charity could be. But now there's, there's an independent source, and I think that, that helps the entire sector. But here's where I get a little bit provocative. Has, has GuideStar become too much of the wallpaper and doesn't, actually get the notice because it's just there um, that other sort of you know shiny new uh, nickels get their attention 
Um, but what backs all that up is the fact that GuideStar data is there. Is that going too far? No. The way I see it. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? No, go ahead. So I said way I'd come I come to you. Uh, but if I oh. didn't, go ahead. <laughs> no, so GuideStar starts out by using 990 information. And as you are probably well aware, the 990 does not tell a full story. So that's why we really right. encourage nonprofits to sign on, claim their profile, and they can update it through our bronze, silver, gold, and now platinum levels. So all of those are helping tell the complete story. So there's 990 IRS data and nonprofit information combined. So I think it helps make it a more all-encompassing source, and it's completely unbiased. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's very important. And as as you know, we're we're you know we we consider you know GuideStar to you know be one of the six pillars of success for nonprofits online. But but my question, and, and Mark, maybe you know for you to 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 think about this is, does it get enough attention in that it's not the shiny new nickel, um, in in that it is it's become part of you know the 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 drapery and the and the the wallpaper. And maybe it's time to put more attention on this independent information and the data that, that can be found there rather than just the new G-Wiz technology. Yeah, I, I almost feel like, like, like GuideStar in some ways becomes kind of an operating system for philanthropy in, 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 in some ways where, you, you know, as, as philanthropy does expand, you know, beyond the well-defined borders of, of, of nonprofit organizations um, from, you know, from the IRS, um, I think it provides a very definitive place where, where that environment exists. And again, not that it's the only the only way to, to to give to charitable causes, but I think in that regard, I think it can be kind of a platform th that enables that where people, when 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 they give, it's one way of helping them be certain that they're giving to an organization and get some visibility into that organization beyond just what the organization is saying themselves. Itself gives, yeah. No, I, th I think you're right there. And 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 again, uh, Jackie, uh, great work over at GuideStar. We you know we we really encourage all of our listeners uh, to make sure that they are completing uh, their uh, templates over at uh, uh, at GuideStar and make sure that their their information is uh, complete beyond the 990. Um, so we've got um, Linda Lysakowski wanted to join us today. At the last minute, she was called away, but uh, in typical Linda Lysakowski fashion, she did not want to miss our sixth anniversary show. Uh, so if you folks will hang tight, we're just going to uh, hear a, a quick little message from uh, Linda Lysakowski. Hi, Ted. It's Linda Lysakowski. Congratulations on the sixth anniversary of your radio show. You are doing a great service to the nonprofit community, bringing expert consultants, authors, and thought leaders to nonprofit leaders who otherwise wouldn't have the access to these people. Speaking on behalf of Charity Channel and Steve Nill, our publisher and founder, we're proud to be associated with a nonprofit coach. Many of our authors have been guests on your show, and we look forward to our new authors being part of some of your future shows. I know you're thinking, what's new at Charity Channel? So I'm going to tell you. Well, as of now, we've published 39 books for the nonprofit sector, and we have several books in our For the Genius series that relate to nonprofits as well, such as Fundraising for the Genius, Nonprofit Board Service for the Genius, although that book was written for board members and those considering board service, it's a great book that nonprofits may be interested in purchasing for their nonprofit board members. And coming soon, we have Grantsmanship for the Genius and Volunteering for the Genius, which is also written for volunteers and aspiring volunteers. But again, a great book that nonprofits may want to direct its volunteers to. But we're more than about books, too. You may recall that a number of years ago, we started Charity Channel by publishing articles for the nonprofit sector. And we've revitalized our efforts in that regard. So now you'll see a weekly newsletter 
which gives nonprofit leaders access to thousands of great articles on topics ranging from special events to grants, from leadership and governance to fundraising and finance. So for those who prefer their knowledge in smaller chunks, these articles are ideal. And if you put them all together, you'd probably have about 100 more books that Charity Channel has published. So our coming attractions, what we're doing now, is we're working on courses that will be offered based on all of our books. And in these courses, readers will have access to the book itself, plus lots of supplemental materials, an opportunity to ask questions and to get feedback from the authors, quizzes to test your knowledge, and a certificate of completion when you finish the course. Look for these courses to begin sometime this summer. So we now have things for the people who like small pieces of knowledge in a chunk. We have books that people can read, a full book on a topic, or a course if they want even more knowledge on that particular topic. And last but not least, I'd like to pique your reader's interest in our For the Genius book series. I've mentioned that some of these do relate to the nonprofit world, but we know your listeners have many interests outside their nonprofit work, anything from uh, sewing to parenting to travel. So the Fourth Genius books are written on many topics of general interest. We have topics such as baking bread and fast and fearless cooking for the genius, to video poker, casino video poker, and beer for the genius, um, from travel topics to dogs and cats. And we've now published 16 books in the For the Genius series with a dozen or more books in the works. So if any of your listeners are interested in writing a book through either our charity channel in the Trenches series or on a more broad topic in the For the Genius series, please ask them to let me know. I can be reached at linda at charitychannel.com or linda at forthegenius.com. So again, Ted, I'd really like to thank you and congratulate you on your sixth anniversary. And we hope you'll keep up the great work because all the nonprofit leaders out there really need to be in touch with some of the thought leaders and authors that are out there publishing and writing and talking about these important topics. And we know that your show really gives them access to cover this broad range of topics without even leaving their office. So I think this is really great. And again, thanks. It's been a pleasure to be part of your show in the past. And we're looking forward to lots of great things in the future. Thanks, Ted. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're back here live on our sixth anniversary show. And uh, our next guest here is uh, no stranger to the nonprofit coach and has been as strong of a supporter of the nonprofit coach as the nonprofit coach has been of CFRE International. Welcome back, Ava Aldrich. Hi, Ted, and congratulations on your sixth anniversary with the nonprofit coach. Well, thank you so much. We've had so many wonderful guests already uh, today helping us uh, celebrate. And, and just as a general topic, we've sort of uh, been taking a look back at how uh, philanthropy and the nonprofit sector has changed in the last six years, and then taking out our crystal ball and taking a look at what the next six years might have in store. What does Ava Aldrich say about that? Well, you know, from the perspective of CFRE International, I think if you take a look six years back, there was a stronger sense than there is today of fundraising being more of a regional pursuit, if you will, rather than a global profession. Um, while there certainly continue to be cultural and regional differences that affect fundraising practice, I think there's more and more consciousness in the profession that really 
there's we have more in common uh, than what we have separating us. Um, certainly, as I go to the fundraising conferences of our various partners mm. around the world, you know, what I'm hearing is a lot of commonality, and fundraisers are all working on the same big issues. They may be using some different tools um, to to attack the issues and to get results, but uh, with more and more international speakers showing up at conferences, I think it's a great opportunity uh, that will continue into the future for us to really think together as a profession about what can we do to help each other even more to learn tools and practices that are working around the world and to make the fundraising sector and the philanthropic sector stronger as a result because ultimately that's going to result in a better world with more public goods that, that really lift everyone up. I mentioned uh, earlier on the show that I had authored uh, uh, a blog post um, as part of the Big Ideas um, uh, series, and uh, the, the topic was the future of fundraising is already here. Stop fundraising and start inspiring. And, and it's interesting that you bring up you know, that particular topic because one of the, the segments of uh, this particular blog post is that global is local and local is global. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's, that's really, you know, when you summarize what's happening in the, the CFRE and the profession, it's, it's not just our neighborhood, it's our world, but it is also our neighborhood. Um, and so it, it all kind of circles back to, you know, where did we start, but what can we offer uh, to the global um, uh, effort for philanthropy? Mm-hmm. Exactly, Ted. And, you know, I, I like your, your mention that word neighborhood because I think one of the things that's shaping the future of philanthropy is that our ideas of our neighborhood and who our neighbors is changing. Uh, you know, there, there's been research done, I believe, by the School of Philanthropy at Indiana University about how you know, younger generations view their communities and their neighborhoods differently. Um, you know, for, for those of us who may be older, we tend to still think in geographical terms about who's local and who's my neighbor. But, you know, especially younger generations, their neighbors, they, are, they find commonality with, you know, individuals around the globe. I think anytime you take a look at uh, Facebook feeds and you see so many individuals that have, you know, friends from everywhere, you know, we're seeing not just our community's issues, but also world issues as being something we care about and want to do something about. And so that's really exciting for philanthropy, but I also think it's something that, you know, we as fundraisers need to take into account because our donors have so many opportunities out there to serve you know, their neighbors, what they define as community, and we need to know that and understand how they are doing that and how they are defining it because they may see their community as you know, being the individuals they are helping you know, through a charity uh, to get clean water in Africa, um, even just as much as individuals in their own communities uh, locally who need help. Right, and, and and helping understand, help the the donor be able to reach around the world, but also reach around the corner. Exactly. So it's exciting and times out there so, for philanthropy and fundraising. Yeah, it is. It's so, do do you see the the trend just continuing um, in the next six years, or is is there some other you know big dynamic change that you can foresee? You know, what I'm seeing, and, and also I think what, what CFRE International has seen through its periodic job analysis, where we take a look every five years at the fundraising profession to see, you know, how individuals are performing their work and sort of what's going on in actual fundraisers um, and their practice, is that fundraising tends to be an evolution rather, rather than an evol- or, or an evolution rather than a revolution. So I think we are going to see continued, you know, um, work in these trend areas um, as we we sort of grow and continue to think about what, what does that mean about who is our community, who are our neighbors, and also in the terms of the tools we use. Um, as you, you know, Ted, fundraising is a people profession, and so as people connect differently through new tools and new methods, I think that's probably going to be where some of the exciting and yet unknown areas of fundraising are likely going to be as technology evolves and it really sort of changes um, the way we interact with each other. It seemed to, to, to me, um, you know, six years ago, but certainly even further back, 10, 12 years ago, that uh, philanthropy fundraisers, professionals that were 
really sort of a bit in their infancy at, at that time, uh, were more reactive um, to changes. Uh, they came slower. Uh, the integration of technology or changes um, mm-hmm. were not uh, immediately incorporated. The, the pace of change and the expectation of incorporation of technology and other changes, um, I think, has never been more rapid, um, but has mm-hmm. also changed the face of the profession, has it not? Uh, it has, and it's going to continue to do so. And I think that's an interesting point you raise about the reactiveness of fundraisers. Um, so I think it's, it's sort of a, a dual-edged sort of thing because on the one hand I think fundraisers have to go to where their donors are so in in some ways that's sort of a naturally reactive stance in order to to see where where the donors are and then get into that space Um, because rarely if you build something will people come to it they they want to you to come to where they already are and 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 to what they are using on the other hand um, I think with the overall environment for philanthropy, uh, fundraisers have to be incredibly proactive in terms of thinking about the profession and really some of the the, the key um, news items of the day that are affecting us. Um, I'm specifically thinking about the situation in the United Kingdom with uh, Olive Cook, the 92-year-old um, who the the press there has been saying was was sort of done in by too many charity solicitations, um, but the real need for the profession to be able to to react and help the public understand what we are doing because even though I think there's a lot of groundswell um, in understanding about philanthropy and fundraising, we still are not necessarily a universally understood profession, and so there's always going to be right. that need, I think, for us to think about public perception, be educators as, as well as fundraisers, and be very proactive in, in you know, informing people about what it is fundraising does, and that without fundraising, we are not going to have the resources you know, as a society to make the social change that we need to make. Exactly. Um, I want to ask you if you can uh, hang on uh, with us for for just a a little bit longer um, because I do want to bring our next uh, guest in. I'm I'm always mindful of the time here, and I want to uh, welcome Rob Mitchell uh, from the Atlas of Giving um, uh, back here to the Nonprofit Coach. Um, uh, Rob, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us here on our sixth anniversary show, and uh, Ava Aldrich is here from from CFRE, so uh, welcome. Thank you, Ted. Happy sixth anniversary. I hope you're going to have a big piece of cake. And I'm going to ask you what my <laughs> father-in-law you. asked me on my sixth <laughs> anniversary, which is, are you going to have the seventh year itch? <laughs> what will happen? Yeah. So, will we have any big changes in our seventh year? Well, it's a it's a it's a good question. Do you think there should be some big changes on the nonprofit coach? No, I think you're doing a terrific job. And and just to give you an idea. There's been a whole lot that has happened in the last six years. First of all, according to the Atlas of Giving, in 2010, 321,000,000.96 was given total in the United States. And then in this last year, 2015, we finished with 477.55 billion. So that is a tremendous increase coming out of the recession. And um, um, the Ted Hart radio show has been, has been covering that increase and what has been causing that increase um, all six years. So we've gone from a place where we've had <clears throat> what most people think of as 2% of GDP in terms of charitable giving to a place that the Atlas of Giving believes is 3.5% of GDP. We've also had um, as many as half a million new nonprofits added over the last six years. And your show is providing a vital service. I, I, I think um, I, I've listened to all the speakers, and, and um, I'm a bit of a contrarian, as you know, and so I agree with a lot, and there are a couple of things I would I would take issue with, but um, I think partnerships. I think we can look forward in in the seventh year and beyond to 
um, charities beginning to merge. I think the new millennial generation is calling for more accountability on mission, which is why why I liked what Jackie at GuideStar said, that um, it's not about cost per dollar raised. It's about how well you're performing your mission. And that, exactly. that should be and, the and ultimate the demand measure. for that kind of transparency has never been greater. I, I know, um, Rob, that you were listening early. I want to uh, bring in a topic that, that Ava may not have heard, the case Sprinkle Grace put on the table early on in today's show, and, and uh, she and I have discussed this a, a few times, and, and that is this, this trend that I see in philanthropy, that it's less about the charity and more about the cause, and the cause itself can be represented in so many different ways that are not the traditional charity, and what does that mean to the future of fundraising, which you count, to the profession which Ava represents? Um, what do we think about that? Well, I think that I think that what's happening is a, a, a monumental shift. And I, I'll bring up the name of Dan Pallotta, who has the third most viewed uh, TED Talk, and most of us have already seen it. But um, I think I think Dan is is right on a lot of things, and one of them is that um, as donors, uh, we care more about how our money is affecting the the success of the mission then we do care about the cost of the dollar raised and i think that's going to continue i think that one of the things that was mentioned earlier was workplace giving and i see that workplace giving is undergoing a tremendous transformation especially with millennials in the workforce because they have so they have so much they have so much um, access to data that was never available to them before. So no longer do they need to rely on some other organization telling them the best places for their money to go. They They can look it up and decide for themselves, and they don't need to be bullied by their bosses um, um, to give. They can give on their own, and they, and, and, they are giving on their own. Right, right. And I think that I think the other big trend there, and I want to bring uh, Neil Galliford in, who's our last guest for today, keeping mindful of the fact that we have nine minutes, folks. So we've got uh, Ava Aldrich, Rob Mitchell, and now Neil Galliford uh, from Stephen Thomas uh, joining us. And, and Steve or Neil, I know that um, you have been uh, listening in on a little bit of this, but I think one of the other trends, and this ties into something you and I are going to be doing in Toronto uh, next month, so I want to give you an opportunity to uh, to promote uh, Digital Leap, but it ties into um, that where Rob has just kind of put on the table that transparency and data um, have made it easier for millennials to sort of step outside of the nonprofit. So has um, the digital media and social media given them the opportunity to connect with other people who care about a cause, whereas in the past, prior to these tools being available, if you wanted to find people who cared about things that you cared about, you probably would go to a nonprofit that other people were supporting around a particular topic. You don't have to go to that nonprofit anymore. So welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach and our sixth anniversary show, Neil Galford. Hi, Ted. It's wonderful to be here on this uh, momentous occasion. Congratulations on six years. Thank you. Well, Rob has just given us a perfect way to tie this back into uh, something that uh, you wanted to talk about today and I wanted you to talk about today, and that's uh, Digital Leap is coming up. That's right, and I've, I've been sitting here listening to these wonderful speakers talk about the uh, the issues that uh, are, are in front of us as fundraisers, and and uh, as they were doing so, I was ticking off the sessions at Digital Leap that uh, that deal with those very issues. So I'm feeling uh, very uh, proud of uh, our offering this year because we seem to be hitting in on all those topics. Um, I have to say Digital Leap is seven years old. This is our seventh uh, uh, anniversary uh, this year, so uh, we predate your show by one year. Um, it's uh, it's amazing. I'm looking at uh, at the agenda, and uh, we managed to score uh, Trish Wheaton, who is the, the global uh, was the global uh, marketing officer for Young and Rubicam, and and uh, is now heading their sustainability uh, offering uh, uh, around the world. And she's talking 
about something she calls uh, Generation World, which is exactly what one of your speakers was talking about, how young people are socially conscious and they think of their community as being so much bigger than just, you know, who's down the street and who their who their close friends are. And she's going to be talking about, you know, how both corporations and not-for-profits have to change the way they they talk to people who are that connected uh, around the world. Um, uh, um, at the same time, uh, we have uh, uh, an example of a, a charity partnership that someone else mentioned. Uh, we've got a case study coming up that's uh, uh, a uh, joint venture between Prostate Canada, Prostate Canada, uh, Prostate Cancer Canada, and the Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation, who put together a digital campaign called Kiss to Cure. Um, and uh, I can't think of another example. The um, over my years in, in fundraising where I've seen this kind of partnership just come together and then get launched and, and uh, be offered to the public. So there's a lot going on uh, in our sector. Um, the rise of mobile, I, I didn't hear everything that everybody said, but it seems to me mobile communications has changed everything about the way we operate because uh, people aren't... Uh, uh, sitting in their living rooms reading about charities anymore. They're actually interacting uh, wherever they are. The ubiquity of mobile means that we need to be there talking to them in the channels that they want to talk to us. So uh, it's very exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a, in a couple of weeks, Ted. Yeah, so um, how can uh, folks register? I know that we're almost sold out for Digital Leap, but how can uh, my listeners register for Digital Leap? Uh, they're welcome to go to digitalleap.org, um, and uh, they'll see the agenda there. They'll see the list of incredible speakers that we have, and uh, and there's a link there to the Eventbrite uh, tool so that they can uh, actually register and and uh, join us on May the 4th uh, at the uh, at the Art Gallery of Ontario here in uh, Toronto. And they've been incredible hosts for the Digital Leap for the last several years. Um, listen, uh, Rob, uh, Neil, and Ava, first of all, thank you for uh, uh, being here on the show. I, I want to say a very special thank you to someone that I know all of you uh, know and love, and that is our producer of the nonprofit coach, Diane Peach, uh, who works so hard to put this show together uh, each and every week. And uh, for uh, not all the six years she's been with us, but certainly uh, for the last many years that she has been the producer of the show, uh, the quality of the show has gone up, the uh, quality of our speakers has gone up, and the listenership uh, has gone up. And that's just a wonderful community service that we all are able to provide. And I want to thank each and every one of you who have uh, been here on the show and, and have done such great service in providing up-to-the-date information. So we have about three minutes left here on the show. I'm just going to go through the, the switchboard and give each one of you just an opportunity to say one one last thing that you want our listeners to think about in terms of uh, either the show itself or philanthropy in the future, but uh, give us a, a send-off message, and we're going to start with uh, Ladies First, Ava Aldridge. Thanks, Ted. When I was at the Fundraising Institute of New Zealand last week, one of the keynote speakers, Derek Felton, who's the author of Social Movements for Good, uh, made a point that I think fits in very well with what we've just been talking about in terms of changes and trends. And that is that nonprofits really, with the advent of social media, with younger generations, are needing to let go of the message and let people talk about the cause and the organizations you know, in a way that, that they message themselves rather than just using the organization's language. So I think that's going to challenge in some ways to nonprofits because we, we do tend to like to control messaging, but that's one of the wonderful things with having more information out there uh, and more access to people to more information that we've talked about is they really have the opportunity now not only to support a cause but take that cause to heart and then re-message it in a way that their peers connect to and that will ultimately grow philanthropy, I think, and, and bring more resources um, to the nonprofit sector. So that, that's my sort of send-off thought. I could not agree with you more. Yeah, thank you for everything you're doing for the nonprofit sector, and once again, happy sixth anniversary. Well, thank you, and I want to just summarize what you just said, and it goes back to stop fundraising and start inspiring. Um, and that's, I think, an important mm -hmm. message that, uh, that we're hearing loud and clear here. Uh, Rob Mitchell, uh, final word. The best is yet to come, Ted. The best is yet to come for, for your radio show. The best is yet to come for philanthropy, uh, for donors. I'm very excited and 
I'm pumped about the millennial generation, and I would just uh, um, leave your listeners with um, um, the the current project that I'm working on. The Atlas of Giving has been great, but the current pr- project I'm working on, which is called the Ultimate Give Back, I believe is going to change the way that corporate and fo- foundation philanthropy is accomplished forever. And uh, so that's something to look forward to. Sounds exciting. Neil Gelford, 30 seconds, final final remark. You're the your last one here on the sixth anniversary show of the Nonprofit Coach. Well, that's great. Thank you, and uh, congratulations again. I just want to remind people about the importance of brand. I, I really think the charities need to start to understand that in this kind of world, in this kind of competition, this global competition that we're in, um, brand is so important, and charities need to remember that you have to invest in your brand and build it up if it's going to be effective for you. So that's that's what I would leave with people. Uh, you know, it's important that we so do everybody what we make say sure we'll you come do. to digital leap and learn how you can uh, build and protect your brand. And that's our show. Thank you everyone for six wonderful years. I look forward to the next six. You've been listening to the nonprofit coach radio show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the nonprofit coach. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.